Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with songs of deliverance and teach us to trust in you even when our sins convict us deeply. Teach us, Lord, the blessedness of confession and forgiveness. In your name we pray, amen. Well, peace to you, friends. We are continuing in this sermon series for the summer called Summer in the Psalms, Selections from God's Playlist. During this seven-week series, we're looking at seven of the Psalms from the Old Testament. Uh, By the way, if you went on our church website, uh, you'll see that we have placed on the website a reading schedule that will take you through all 150 Psalms over the course of the summer. If you would like to do that, uh, spend summer in the Psalms reading all of them. Also, while you're on the website, uh, take a look at the fact that uh, the church staff put on there a playlist of our favorite Christian songs. So you can listen to them uh, uh, wherever you might be, even if you're traveling on vacation. Go to the site, listen to the songs, read the Psalms. You can download the podcast of the sermons and stay in touch that way as well. The website, of course, is shepherdaz.church. We hope that that's a helpful resource. The Psalms in the Old Testament were songs, lyrics set to music. And so the book of Psalms is actually the hymn book of the Hebrew people. Thus, God's playlist, if you will, for the worshiping community of Israel. Now, we don't have the original music. We only have the lyrics. Uh, Sometimes we we wish we would have that original music. It would kind of be nice to know, how did these originally sound when they were played and sung? Although maybe it was God's wisdom not to preserve the music, but only the lyrics. After all, if we had the original music, there would be those people in the church who would insist that this could only be sung according to the original music, and it would prevent new music from being developed. I think God in His wisdom only gave us the lyrics so that we could do as the Bible says, sing a new song unto the Lord, that we can take the old, old lyrics and set them to ever new music for every generation of people that every generation can hear the word word of the Lord in their own way. Today's psalm is number 32, and it was written by David during the time that he was king of Israel. So we're going to spend some time looking at chapter 32 of Psalms today. David, as you recall, was a gifted musician who wrote poems and then set them to music. Uh, He liked to play his harp, of course, and you may recall that David, as a young man, had been called into the court of King Saul, the first king of Israel. He was called into the court to play his harp and play his music for the sake of the king's benefit. Evidently, King Saul suffered with some bouts of depression, times when his spirit was generally down. And when David would come in and play his harp and sing his songs, it lifted Saul's spirits. You might say that David was the first music therapist. He helped bring healing, if you will, to King Saul. You know, when I hear a, a new song on the radio, I'm always kind of interested in the backstory of the song. 
when I hear a lyric or, or a piece of music, I'm, I'm always curious, okay, what led that songwriter to write that song? What was going on in his or her life? What was going on in the world around that was perhaps impetus for writing this song and putting it out there in the public? The backstories of songs are interesting to me. I don't know if they are to you. Well, we're going to take a look at the backstory behind David's song, Psalm number 32, today. The backstory begins with David as king of Israel. And one day, King David was up on the roof of his palace overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he looked down off uh, the roof of his palace and noticed a beautiful woman bathing. And David's sinful nature got the better of him. His lust got a hold of his heart and his mind, and he just had to have that woman. He had her brought into his palace. He had an affair with her. He had committed adultery with her. Her name was Bathsheba. Bathsheba was married, married to a man named Uriah, who was one of David's generals in his army. David not only took this man's wife for himself, he then made arrangements for Uriah to be put on the front lines of a battle so that he would be killed in battle. In other words, David orchestrated the murder of Uriah, and then he tried to cover it all up and make it look like a mere accident of war. In fact, he tried to cover up everything that he had done. He tried to cover it up publicly, and he tried to cover it up inside his own heart. But of course, all things are known to the Lord. Nothing is really hidden to him. And so God sent the prophet Nathan to David to confront him about his sinful behavior. Nathan comes to David, and he uses a little object lesson to get David's attention. Nathan tells a little story about a rather unkind man who cruelly and, and callously killed a little lamb that was the favorite pet lamb of a certain family. When David heard this story, he got angry. He said, who is, who is the man? He should be punished. And Nathan pointed at David and said, David, you are the man. And David was convicted of his wrongdoing. David repented, and David was forgiven his sin. This is the backstory then of Psalm 32. It was out of David's personal experience of moral failure, confession, and forgiveness that he writes Psalm 32 and sets it to music. Now, our focus for today's message is on that period of time before Nathan came to visit David. In other words, that period of time when David was living with secret sins, that time when he was trying to keep everything covered up and pretend that all was fine. But you probably know as well as I that secret sins have a, have a way of coming back to bite you. I think about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is the writer of the Sherlock Holmes novels. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was quite a prankster 
in his life. He liked to pull practical jokes on people. And one day he played a prank on five of the most prominent men in England. He sent an anonymous note to each man, which simply said, all is found out. Flee at once. That's all it said. All is found out. Flee at once. Within 24 hours, all five men had left the country. <laughs> we don't know what was going on inside of them secretly, but indeed, secret sins have a way of coming back to bite you. Many years ago, the Cincinnati newspapers carried the story of a poorly dressed woman who went to see Dr. George Herman, a physician. She asked him to do an x-ray examination of her heart, and she asked him to do it free of cost. She claimed that she was very poor and couldn't pay for the x-ray. So the doctor consented to do the work. But when he turned his x-ray machine a little bit below the heart, he saw a concealed pocket inside her clothing in which was a purse with five $20 gold pieces. After the examination, the woman asked him about the findings. He said, your heart is very bad, for you lied when you said you were poor. Oops! Her secret came to light that day, and yes, she had a heart problem, but it wasn't physical. It was spiritual. Such was the case with David as well. And you may recall, David was one who had a good reputation as a man after God's own heart. By and large, David was a man of faith, a man who followed God, sought God's will, tried to do what God told him to do, but David was human like all of us. He had a sinful nature, and his nature got the better of him that day. And he had a spiritual heart problem. And the longer that David kept silent in trying to conceal his sins, the more miserable he became. You might say that his silence led to a deafening kind of misery. I call it the stifling sounds of silence, holding it in, covering it up. Sometime later, he described it this way in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Hmm. Does that describe you? And I don't mean just because it's hot outside. I mean because of the heat on the inside. Do you feel dried up and parched in the inner part of your life? Do you say with David, when I kept silent, my bones waste away. You see, God gave each one of us a conscience, what the Bible describes as the law written in the heart of everyone. 
and it's placed there to signal us when something is amiss with our behavior. And like the telltale heart of Edgar Allan Poe's famous short story, our hearts pound with guilt when we try to silently cover up or deny our sin. Of course, sometimes people out there try to ease their consciences by their own means. Several years ago, a new product appeared in the supermarket. Maybe you saw this. I never did actually see it, but it was a product called disposable guilt bags. Did anybody see that? I, I, I never actually saw it myself. It consisted of a set of 10 ordinary brown bags on which were printed the following instructions. Place the bags securely over your mouth, take a deep breath, and blow all your guilt out, then dispose of the bag immediately. <laughs> the amazing thing about this is that, according to the Associated Press, 2,500 kits had been sold very quickly at $2.50 per kit. Man, wouldn't it be great if we could dispose of our guilt so easily? Unfortunately, though, there is nothing on this earth powerful enough in itself to dispose of our guilt. We cannot fix ourselves, which so many people out there are trying to do in a variety of ways. David, however, speaking from very personal experience, tells of a much better solution when we are sensing the guilt in our own soul. After describing the misery that came from the stifling sounds of silence, David sings these words in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Ah, what heartfelt relief came over David through the process of confessing his wrongs and experiencing God's forgiveness and grace. And you know, David must have taught this lesson to his own son Solomon, who became king after David in Israel, because Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, wrote these words in Proverbs 28, 13. He said, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. How very true. David discovered that there really is a real tangible blessedness in confession and absolution, confession and forgiveness. And on a practical level, friends, as, as one of your pastors, I want to encourage you to make regular use of confession and absolution. Confession, it takes place in a, in a variety of ways. First of all, I want to encourage you in what we might call personal confession on your own in the quiet of your own prayer time. 
that you would do this on a daily basis. Go to God in prayer every day and lay out before Him your sins. Confess to Him daily that you're sinful. We need to do it daily because we sin daily. And as Martin Luther encourages us to do, we need to not only confess our sins every day, but then every day remind ourselves that we are baptized children of God and make use of our baptism in such a way that every day it's like we're drowning that old sinful nature, that old Adam in us, and daily rising anew, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. We need to do that every day. But secondly, I want to encourage you in what we do right here together in corporate confession, to come to worship regularly and to take part in that corporate rite of confession of our sins and then hear the minister declare the wonderful good news, you are forgiven in Jesus your Savior. But thirdly, I want to invite you to take advantage of another resource and that is what is called private confession if you so feel the need. Maybe there is some sin that just seems to hang on all the time, something that you just can't seem to get over, some lingering sense of guilt and shame that you just can't seem to get beyond. I invite you to come to one of your pastors privately, lay it all out, and allow the pastor to declare to you, you are forgiven in Jesus your Savior. Over the years of ministry, any number of people have done that and have gone away with a new sense of refreshment in Christ. We pastors take a vow at our ordination that we will never divulge to anyone what is shared with us privately, and we never will. You can be assured that your sins are left at the cross of Jesus forever gone, never to be brought up again. There is a blessedness that comes in the process of confession and forgiveness. David really understood this and, and he speaks out of his own experience when he says in the opening verses of this Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Indeed, there is a blessed joy in sincerely confessing our sins to God and experiencing His forgiveness. Not far from New York City, there is a cemetery uh, where there is a gravestone which has inscribed upon the headstone just one word, forgiven. There's no name on it, no date of birth or death, but there is someone buried underneath that headstone. And the stone is undecorated. All it has on it is that one word, forgiven. But that is the greatest thing that could possibly be said of any person or written on any grave. Forgiven. Forgiven. Indeed, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. 
And David was so filled with the joy of being forgiven of his sins, he continues his psalm then by encouraging others to go to God in prayer and confess their sins to him. He says in verses 6 and 7, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. He has experienced this forgiveness, and he desires that everyone would have that experience too. Then through David, God says in verses 8 to 10, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, yeah, that stubbornly refuses to do anything, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. Hmm, how true. After David had been confronted by Nathan the prophet, he proceeded to write a prayer of confession. And he set that prayer to music too. It's Psalm 51 in the Bible. I'd like to read David's prayer of confession. And as I read these words, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and let this be your prayer along with mine as we are honest before God today. David's prayer of confession after being confronted by Nathan. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Amen. And friend, if, if you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to hear this most clearly. Jesus died on a cross to forgive you all your sins. Not just some of them. Not just the supposedly small ones. 
He died, yes, even for the supposedly big ones, too. He died for it all, to forgive you completely. You may, in some time in your life, have felt imprisoned by your sin, guilt, and shame. But Jesus said it so very clearly, as we heard in the gospel reading for today, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, free to sing His praises who has forgiven all of your sins. The story is told of a small-town doctor noted for his kindness and charity uh, by his patients. Well, this very kindly doctor passed away. And after his death, they found his ledger book and written across many of his accounts in his ledger book was the notation, forgiven, too poor to pay. Well, the doctor's widow objected and sued the people for payment. She felt they ought to own up to what they never came through with on their payments. But the judge in the case asked her, is this your husband's signature? Yes, she replied. Then, said the judge, there is not a court in the land who can order a collection of the accounts where the doctor has written forgiven. Friends in Christ, God, the greatest of all physicians, the physicians of the soul, has written forgiven behind your name. He's written forgiven after the name of everyone who trusts in Jesus as their Savior. And nothing can change his ledger book. How did John say it in today's epistle reading? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now that is worth celebrating. That's worth throwing a party over. And the closing lyrics of David's song are an invitation to celebrate, to celebrate God's forgiving love. So listen to the last verse, verse 11 of Psalm 32. He says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. You see, David could sing a brand new song, a song of joy and gladness, because the Lord had set him free from the misery caused by the stifling sounds of silence. And so, friend, I invite you to also sing a brand new song and to keep that song in your heart forever. Amen. Next week, we're going to take a look at Psalm number 77 under the theme memories.